Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this Lenten Wednesday. We continue our focus on the Gospel of Luke, the Passion of Luke, Luke 22, verses 35 to 71, especially verse 37. Jesus says, For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, why are we such an afraid people? What are you afraid of? We all have fears. Some of them are very real. Some are more imagined, but their fear Nonetheless, so, what are you afraid of? Oftentimes, fear exposes our idols. If we grew up poor, we might be worried about money or become a hoarder. Why? Because we're afraid of not having something, not having stuff, not having money. People facing retirement, are afraid of having enough money or health or boredom. Sometimes our fears, our very real fears, are a result of unresolved guilt. We're afraid because we don't want to deal with sin, a particular sin. Think of the little boy who's playing baseball outside, and he hits the ball farther than he's ever hit it before, right through the neighbor's window. He's afraid. He's afraid of getting caught. He's afraid of have to, having to pay for the window. He's afraid of the spanking that he might get from dad or mom. He hides. He's afraid. He's worried. And then he confesses his sin and his fears go away. Unresolved fear can lead to depression. Unresolved fear can lead to anxiety. Unresolved fear can lead to anger. Unresolved fear oftentimes leads to pride and arrogance and downright hubris. Why are we so afraid? What are you afraid of? 
God's Word for tonight tackles this topic of fear head on. And I encourage you to listen carefully to the various ways that fear manifests itself throughout our gospel reading. But most importantly, to see how Jesus deals with our fears. How Jesus gives the answer that we need in the midst of our fearful world, our fearful selves. Our text starts out with Jesus right in the middle of a dialogue with his disciples. Jesus reminds them, you know, when I sent you out two by two, did you lack anything? Did you need anything that I didn't provide for you? They were busted. All of their worries, all of their fears, all of their anxieties. They were forced to say, nothing. We lacked nothing. And then Jesus goes on almost cryptically. And he says, for I tell you this. Scripture must be fulfilled in me. This scripture, what scripture did he quote? He quoted from the suffering servant song, Isaiah 52 and 53. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what was written about me has its fulfillment. There are four suffering servants or servant songs in Isaiah. The last one is oftentimes referred to as the suffering servant song. You may be familiar with some of its key verses. For he grew up from before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look in him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus quotes from the end of this suffering servant song, meaning the whole psalm is about him. All of these passages talk about Jesus, our suffering servant, who bears our grief, who bears our fears. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. 
Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet it was the will of God to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. My friends, in the midst of the fears and worries of the disciples, Jesus simply says, the scriptures must be fulfilled. And I'm here to do it. It's unfolding before your very eyes. Our lesson in fear continues. The disciples go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus goes off about a stone's throw, 30, 40, maybe even 50 yards, close enough that the disciples could hear his prayers. And he told them to stay awake, stay alert, and keep watch. Jesus prayed. He knew what was before him. Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Jesus is already carrying the weight of the sin of the world on him. A weight so great that his sweat was like great drops of blood. Jesus is overwhelmed in fear. Not his fear. Our fears. Jesus prays. If there's any other way to save this people from their sin, Lord, now, now is the time. Angels come and minister to him. And Jesus prays, not my will, but thy will be done. From this point on in the passion narrative, Jesus bearing the weight of the sin of the world is calm, cool, collected. He knows what must be done. Scripture must be fulfilled in him. When he's done praying, he returns to the disciples. We know from the other gospel accounts that this scene is repeated three times. And each of the three times, the disciples are fast asleep. One place says they were asleep because of their fear. 
What were the disciples afraid of? Well, they were afraid of losing Jesus. Jesus had just told them that he was going away, but then he would come back. They were afraid of what the future would hold. Perhaps they were afraid of their own skin. While they're still talking, an absent disciple shows up. Judas! Judas leading a ragtag group, chief priests, officers of the temple, and elders. Judas comes. And in spite of Judas's fears, he pretends that he's not afraid. Judas, would you betray me with a kiss? One of the most intimate ways that we share our love with one another has now been turned into an instrument of betrayal. What was Judas afraid of? Well, we know from other parts of Scripture, Judas was a thief. Judas loved money. He was afraid of not having enough money. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But don't let this fool you. Judas was afraid of many things. Judas was afraid for lack of power, for lack of prestige. Judas was afraid of the future, not only with regard to his money, but with regard to his position and his status. He wasn't one of the inner three. Judas hands Jesus over. Jesus, when the disciples want to take the kingdom by force with their sword, says, no, enough of that. And then, because Jesus is compassion, Jesus is love, he even heals the ear of Malchus, the servant of Caiaphas, one who had come out to arrest and beat him. My friends, why in the world would Jesus do that? Because the scriptures must be fulfilled in him. That's why Jesus came. He came to save. And we see in this healing, and in every one of Jesus' miraculous healings, God saving his people. Jesus is arrested. They make their move to the house of the chief priest. 
And now, now who comes into the forefront? Peter. Bold, impetuous Peter. Peter, who just hours earlier and verses earlier in our text, Peter who had said, I'm willing to go to prison with you, Jesus. I'm willing to die with you, Jesus. Bold talk. For a man full of fear. Peter talked bold because on the inside he was a fraidy cat. Peter talked bold to try to cover up his own insecurity and fear. Peter's true colors come out very quickly. Not once, not twice. But three times in a very short period of time, Peter denies even that he knows Jesus. Last week we heard Jesus predict Peter's denial. Tonight, we see Jesus' words, sadly, come true. As Peter is still talking and making his third brash, bold, call down curses from heaven denial, Jesus looks at him. And the rooster crows. My friends, that look from Jesus did not spare Peter from suffering and anguish, but that look saved his life. That look of Jesus was a call to repentance. That look of Jesus was law and gospel at the same time. It wasn't, I told you so. It was, Peter, I love you. I knew this would happen. And he also said something in last week's gospel. He says, when you are restored, take care of your brothers. That look of Jesus called these words of Jesus to repentance. Not only words of law predicting his denial, but words of gospel when you are restored. Why did Jesus, who knew what was about to happen to him, and the grief and agony that lay before him, why did Jesus bother to look at Peter? Because all scripture must be fulfilled. It must be fulfilled in Jesus. My friends, after the 
denial of Peter, our text continues. The kangaroo court assembled to sentence Jesus is now in their full glory. The break of day, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both the chief priests and the scribes, and they led him away to their council. They said, if you are the Christ, tell us. Why were they acting in such a vicious, angry way? They were afraid. They were afraid of Jesus. They were afraid of their power. They were afraid of their status. They were afraid of losing their place, their position, their importance. And their fear manifested itself in anger, loathing, hatred against Jesus. Tell us plainly. Jesus has told them and told them and demonstrated and demonstrated. He takes their own words and he gives them back. You say that I am. You say that I am. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the door for the sheep. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You said it. You said it out of your own mouth. I am. Why did Jesus answer in this way? My friends, because all scripture must be fulfilled. Jesus has his face resolutely set to the cross of Calvary. There he will bleed and die for the life of the world. Jesus will bleed and die for all of our sins against the first commandment. And that's what they are, first commandment sins. We are to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Our fears to try to cover up our anger. Our fears to try to cover up our guilt. Our fears because we don't trust that God will take care of us. They are sin. Sin that Jesus has paid for on Calvary's cross. My friends, why are we so afraid? What are you afraid of? Jesus has a word for you tonight. All scripture must be fulfilled. 
All scripture has been fulfilled for you in the perfect life, bloody death, and glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. Cast your fears aside. Cling to the sure and certain word of God. Forgiveness, life, and salvation are yours. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our fears, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.